if you are not specifically focused on growing your competency in that particular area. So what's the big problem with wealth creation? How do people like us who didn't inherit a boatload of money, who are investing and building wealth from our own blood, sweat and tears, how do we invest in a way that gives us remarkable results and become financially free before retirement age? I don't know about you, but I am sick of hearing from wealth gurus and experts who don't walk their own talk and prescribe strategies that are a one size fits all approach. For self-made people like you and me, I'm here to tell you that you don't need to be superhuman or already wealthy to reach financial freedom earlier than 65. My name is Selena Kulkarni and I'm a passionate investor, but with a difference. I spend half my time running a community for wealthy entrepreneurs looking to reach financial freedom in three to five years using exclusive real estate deals that deliver consistent, predictable cash flow. The other half of my time, I support motivated young adults who want to get started on their wealth building journeys. I've been a chartered accountant and investor in the trenches for over 25 years, but I didn't come from money. So I wanna help those who want to be self-made, master the fundamentals and fast track their financial freedom. I've had all the cuts and bruises in the past and now in this podcast, I wanna share real life experiences on what has worked, what hasn't worked and how you can take action that will set you apart from 99% of other investors so that you can get the results you want faster. One of the biggest challenges to building the wealth that you actually want is this idea that intelligence can actually get in your way. You know, intelligence is one of those qualities that we say, the more of it you have, the more successful you will be. But I'm actually going to argue in today's episode that intelligence can in fact be the very thing that is holding you back from the results, getting the results that you want. So I ran an event a few weeks ago for my high-end clients. The big idea, I should say, behind the entire weekend was really around exploring what is invisible. There are so many things that get in our way as we're building our wealth. And in fact, our ability and desire to seek the invisible is actually something that can actually remove a lot of friction. So I want to start by shattering the illusion that seasoned investors are immune to messing things up. You can mess things up from a wealth building perspective as much as uh, when you are young and inexperienced as when you are older, wiser and supposedly more intelligent. So where I want to start today is I want to share a quote by a guy called Bertrand Russell. Now, this guy was a, a philosopher and a mathematician. And his quote was, the fundamental cause of trouble is that in the modern world, the stupid are cocksure while the intelligent are full of doubt. And really what he was saying was that the whole world problem is that people who have a little bit of information brag as if they know it all. And often the people who are esteemed who actually really know their stuff are actually filled with doubts. So this is a really interesting paradigm. So, you know, one of the stories that I shared was the story of long-term capital management. Now, this was three guys who came together. Two of them were Nobel Prize winners and the other one was a very renowned bond trader. And they created this formula and this formula was supposed to be bulletproof. Some people called it the holy grail of investment strategies. And it was a, a trading strategy around mispriced bonds. So the amount of money they could make was quite small, but these guys got together and said, well, what if we leveraged the money that we got from investors and borrowed as much as possible? And ultimately what ended up happening was they had this huge influx of money because people perceived it as a very low risk strategy. And ultimately at the peak of their performance over four or five years, they were getting annual re annualized returns of up to about 40%. But then the Russian crisis hit and Russia defaulted on its debt. 
And at that time, they were holding significant positions in the Russian market. Now, they were starting to lose hundreds of millions of dollars a day. And at that time, if they had been allowed to collapse, they would have caused a, an entire global financial crisis. As the losses approached $4 billion, the US government decided to step in and bail them out. Now, the reason I'm sharing that story with you is I think it actually reveals a lot about the nature of ambition and the dangers of overconfidence. So they were completely blind to their blind spots. And in fact, they weren't even interested in actually looking for blind spots. Now, all of this brings me to this idea that I have heard many times in the past called Dunning-Kruger or the Dunning-Kruger effect. It gets used a lot in language when it comes to learning. But the essence of it is this idea that when you have a little bit of knowledge, Sometimes what happens or often what happens is that people believe that their competence is greater than it actually is. And it leads to an outward kind of like overconfidence or exuberance about their knowledge. So they did this study in 99, Dunning and Kruger, these two guys, where they found that the worst performers in the, the large sample of people that they studied were the ones who had the least amount of ability relative to others. So the people with the lowest skills had the highest confidence about how good they were at something, but actually performed worse than everybody. And the idea is that these low ability people don't even have the skills to recognize their own incompetence. So it's not that these people are in denial. It's not that they are faking it till they make it. It's that they genuinely don't even realize how little they know. So one of the important considerations around the Dunning-Kruger effect and where I think it's been misused in modern language is that people link the idea of Dunning-Kruger with stupidity. It actually, it's not saying that you're stupid. It's saying that a little bit of knowledge can give you an overinflated opinion of how good you are at something. So it's really important to understand that. Now, the way that these guys demonstrated this was through a graph. Now, on the vertical axis, they had this scale of confidence and on the horizontal axis, they described competency. And what they said is if you start from zero, which is you know nothing and you have no confidence, you get a little bit of competence. You learn a little bit. What happens is your confidence goes through the roof and you, you reach this point, which they describe as the peak of Mount Stupid. Now, when you're on the peak of Mount Stupid, you think you know a lot. And certainly you guys would have heard of this in the financial world where there's a lot of Finfluencers whom, if you pull back the curtain, have really only been doing it for a few weeks, a few months, or you know maybe a few short years. But they don't necessarily have that deep experience that a lot of more sophisticated investors have, yet they speak as if they know it all. So we call that the peak of Mount Stupid. Then they went on to describe that as you start to grow your competence just a tiny bit more, what happens is your confident plummets. And it plummets so low because you start to realize how little you know, and they call that the valley of despair. Now, the question is whether you stay in the valley of despair or whether you persevere and continue to try and grow your competence. Because eventually what happens is you, you start to increase your confidence again and you start to get to the slope of entitlement and eventually the plateau of sustainability. Now, the reason I'm sharing this with you is that this can have a profound impact on what people believe, the decisions they make, the actions they take. So 
If you are not competent or not aware of how this Dunning-Kruger effect works, what can happen is it can give you this idea that your skill level is higher than it is and that will mean that you make decisions which maybe you aren't really qualified to make. It also means that you fail to recognize the genuine skill and expertise of other people. And then the third thing that can happen is you fail to recognize your own mistakes and a lack of skills. So if you have a win, you go, well, that's because I'm an amazing investor. And if you lose, you put it down to external external circumstances. So as I said already, lots of influencers, lots of finfluencers live at the peak of Mount Stupid. They are phenomenal marketers, but they really know jack shit about the discipline or the financial aspects of what they're talking about. Now, just to be clear, moving past the peak of Mount Stupid is not a function of time. There can be very old people who are still sitting at the peak of Mount Stupid because they just haven't tried to kind of learn anything else. And then intelligence, as I said already, there are plenty of people with no academic status, no smarts that make it really big because they are determined around this idea of building their competence and vice versa, just because you are really smart doesn't necessarily move you past Mount Stupid if you are not specifically focused on growing your competency in that particular area. Now, obviously, everything I'm saying is kind of um, anecdotal, if you like. It's opinion-based, and I've certainly experienced this a lot. But I want to share just a few studies with you that will back this up. So there was a study done by a guy called James Montier, and it was called Behaving Badly. And what they did was they they interviewed 300 professional fund managers and found that the most common bias when it came to cognitive bias was over-optimism. What that meant was a lot of those fund managers, professional fund managers, completely exaggerated their own abilities. And 74% of that sample thought they were well above average with their jobs. When they shared that with the, with the fund managers, the response was, well, I know everyone says they are, but I really am good. And so the big takeaways from that particular study was that when you are overconfident, you tend to overtrade. Investors who suffer that tend to think they can time the market, they can pick winners. And what the end result was that they actually had decreased returns. The second takeaway was that they had very short-term focus. They were focusing too much on short-term losses at the expense of long-term gains. And that made them way more susceptible to market noise. Then they were struggling with things like herd behavior. So if a fund manager saw another fund manager doing a certain thing, then often they would just follow along. And then finally, confirmation bias. They talk about how people would give more weight to decisions that are congruent with their beliefs rather than adapting to new information. This is all uh, a classic demonstration of Dunning-Kruger where everyone can't be above average. And, you know, there were a lot of these guys overestimating their abilities. Then there was a study by Fisher and Gerhardt. And what they found was that the more complex a financial product the worse financial planners were at kind of selling it. So there were investors who thought they could understand a complex product and then they often performed worse than those who acknowledged their limitations. In other words, um, again, a little bit of knowledge can be a dangerous thing and the context of Dunning-Kruger, where you have more information or belief that you understand the information it actually led to overconfidence, but not necessarily to better decisions. The next study was that one done by Brad Barber and Terence O'Dean called Boys Will Be Boys. And essentially it found that men in general 
because of their overconfidence, will trade more aggressively and in turn perform worse. And again, this suggests that the Dunning-Kruger effect may in fact manifest differently depending on demographic factors like gender. And then the final one was a study done by Sheriffin and Statman, and it was a study of um, a huge volume of investors who thought they could time the market. What was really interesting was that financial planners were found to be definitely incentivized deliberately by the people who design the products that they create. So um, incentive structures were put in place to either encourage or discourage behaviors in investors. And in terms of how these big financial institutions would teach the financial planners on how to frame a particular product had a huge impact on whether or not the investors went into it. Guys, I know I'm sort of going deep into the weeds today, but I guess the real big point that I want to drive home is that contrary to popular belief, feeling smart or feeling experienced can often be the very pitfall that leads to poor investing choices. One of the best examples of this, and I would call him the king of Dunning-Kruger, is a guy called Donald Trump. Now, he is someone whose confidence never even wavers. Um, But despite his very weak understanding of policy, his weak interest in the nitty gritties of how these things works, the mechanics of government, it never stops him thinking that he knows a lot and he speaks as if he's really well informed. One of the things I'm really conscious of is that we're all susceptible to the Dunning-Kruger effect and You know, the idea is that, you know, the expression is when the tide goes out, you can see who is swimming naked. And particularly during 2021, 22 boom, a lot of investors were patting themselves on the back saying, I'm a great investor. But in actual fact, they they were really just moving with the tide. And it's only once the tide, you know, has fallen back that a lot of people who, you know, who thought they were great investors are finding that maybe they weren't so flash after all. So guys, some of you might be sitting there right now and listening to this saying, well, that's not me. You know, I'm not susceptible to Dunning-Kruger. But according to the researchers, everyone is prone to the Dunning-Kruger effect. Everyone, including me. And this means, this is because no matter how informed your experience you are, everyone has areas in which they are uninformed and incompetent. So you might be very smart and skilled in many areas. You might know a little bit about a lot of things, but the reality is that everyone is susceptible to thinking that they know more than they actually do. And it's probably uh, something that people experience with surprising regularity. So, and the funny thing is, and this is the thing that I found most interesting, is people who actually are genuine experts in one area can mistakenly believe their intelligence and knowledge carry over to other areas which are not really their area of expertise. One of the things that I want to leave you with, and and this is really the, the food for thought component, is we need to think of our minds a little bit like a slice of Swiss cheese. There are holes in the way that we think. There are blind spots, if you like. And as we go through life, our role is to really look for those holes in our Swiss cheese or in our thinking and put another layer of cheese over the top. So we layer one Swiss cheese on top of the other. But the truth is there will always be holes you never get all the holes and so one of the the greatest things that you can do if you really want to give this some kind of attention is to be your own CFO 
to conduct your own financial autopsy. And so what that will involve is, you know, really examining past financial mistakes, dissecting them, finding out what was it that led you to make that mistake. And it might still hurt a little bit when you think about it. What are the holes in your thinking that you wish you had spotted earlier? Were you overconfident? Was it emotional? Um, Did you miss some key information? Did you misallocate resources? Did you misjudge the risk? Really what that will do is it will shine a torch on maybe some areas of financial literacy that you need to put some effort into. What I would also say to you is that this idea of even just recognizing that we do have these blind spots means that you can be alert to it. The other thing that I would love you to do is the same thing, a financial autopsy, if you like, on things that did go well. So for example, if you purchased a piece of real estate in 2020 or 2021, you know, went up 50% over that three year, two year period during COVID, the question I want you to ask yourself is, did you legitimately pick a great piece of real estate because you were extremely competent and knew exactly what was going to happen in the market? Or did you get lucky? Because I think it's really important to pull those two things apart. I've been involved in real estate deals where I was incredibly lucky. I just happened to buy at the beginning of a boom. And I've probably been through, I would say, three boom cycles, boom bust cycles in, in my life. It's things really well. And then on the flip side, I've also done the same thing. I've, I've mistimed. I, I've bought at times where the market was really going down. Now, me personally, my mindset today is that I don't really care what is happening in the market. I am going to continue to manage and grow my wealth because I know how to adjust my position, manage my risk and find opportunities. The question I'm asking you to consider today is where, not if, but where in your life do you suffer Dunning-Kruger? Where is it that you have a little bit of knowledge and expertise, but have an inflated or overconfident belief about that area of expertise? So guys, that is where I want to leave it today. Um, I hope you found this episode really insightful and useful. Um, This is a more advanced concept, but whether you are starting today as a new investor or you are a more experienced investor, these small insights, these small mind shifts can actually be responsible for millions of dollars worth of wealth if you get this right. See you guys next time. If you're feeling frustrated that despite doing everything right in the property investing playbook and you're no closer to financial freedom, then head on over to inkosiwealth.com to learn more about how you can use alternative investments to catapult your investing income and blend strategies to shave decades off your timeline to financial freedom. See you on the next episode.